this is being recorded. Uh, my husband has a podcast, Writing Daily, and he may, if his wife nags him enough, post the recordings there. But just so you know, <laughs> Brandy, how can we help you? Hello, Morgana and Devin. Thank you so much for bringing up such a great topic for this room. I'm so excited about it. When I saw this come up, I just pounced on it because I have, I do have a question. So in my profile, you guys can obviously see that I'm very niche. My podcast is about quilting. It's called the Quilter on Fire podcast, and I just launched it in December and it's growing really well. I'm so proud that I've reached a few milestones already. I've got a consistent thousand downloads a week and I've reached my first 10,000 downloads of all time. So I have this new audience that I didn't have before. And so uh, my question for you is if I published a children's picture book, if I self-published way back in 2014 in my industry and I did a Kickstarter project, I sold between six and 800 copies at that um, launch. Um, I'm wondering if you guys have any tips or suggestions for relaunching an existing book that you already have. If you have a brand new audience, I have a lot of millennials now and a lot of a younger audience now um, because of clubhouse and podcasting and starting up an Instagram. So I have a new audience. So what are your tips for launching an existing book to a new audience? Anytime you can launch, launch. I was no joke self-publishing my book. My publisher was Office Max from 2006 to my first official grown-up launch in 2000, January of 2013. Uh, self-publishing through Lightning Source, which is owned by Ingram, which publishes all over the planet and can be carried by brick and mortar bookstores and Amazon and all the, all the different venues because the books can be returned. So I had been selling this book for $40 because it cost so much to print it at Office Max. So when I, when I sold the book on Amazon, I priced it at $40 because I didn't want to like disrespect all the people who had invested in it before. So it was, so my, the person I hired to help me with the book launch thought I was insane. And the book, this book that I had been selling since 2006 became number one mover and shaker of all categories in the United States, number one in Canada, UK, Germany, even though English only, number two in Italy, number three in, in uh, France. And I believe I made $30,000 the first month and $50,000 that year and hundreds of thousands since. So that's the long way of saying, hell yeah, you are in such a great position. A book launch is a party. It's an opportunity to get people excited and you can make it special by getting a bunch of people on board with who will give free downloadable gifts and they get opt-ins to their mailing list so they get to grow their audience. And so you make the, you make a bunch of these gifts that are gonna be super appealing to your people available the day of, because you wanna get as many sales as you can the day of. And by the way, I extended it several days to keep the sales going and because you know sometimes people don't open their emails right away or they find out about it a little bit late and then I had um, a walk you through my book audio class Q&A 
scheduled two weeks later that I still give as a free gift on my website if you go to the book page um, and you enter your name and your email address people still get this two and a half hour Q&A call um, it's it's a kind of a secret there's a, a free download audio class buried in the book um, because I want to get people who buy on Amazon on my list but I have like an extra secret one on my website too just to give more value and get more people on my list so for you oh my god yes yes you know bring your audience you're already loved bring your friends to make a party have lots of bonuses and I typically recommend six months six months from start to launch day is ideal because there's a lot of moving parts of lining up people getting their download links setting up the opt-in pages and the download pages and then in the month before your launch get on or maybe two months before your launch but you want to be getting on every podcast you can um, you can also do blog tours you can repurpose uh, podcasts and you know because you can have video you can have audio you can have transcripts um, have unless you are really awesome at administration and love doing it I would highly recommend finding someone to help you with it so that you can just be the talent because you already have your podcast and all that other stuff going on I hope this was not overwhelming Brandy <laughs> can you use anything that I shared no, that was so valuable. Absolutely. And you've really kind of opened my eyes because I literally have been selling this book on my website only as a, you know, a soft cover book. So I obviously need to make it digital and get out there in a, a dozen more ways than just having an actual book. So thank you so much. Not um, yes. And sorry, Devin. Yes. And not necessarily. My book has never been digital. It's still because it's a journal and people buy it every single year and they write in it and I don't want them writing on their Kindle. Um, I've I've never digitalized it. Will you get more easy sales digitally without any like printing and shipping costs? Absolutely. But the way it's set up for me with Instagram and and publishers is the book is printed when somebody buys it. So I don't know anything about the printing costs or the the shipping costs. Those are paid by the publishers and and the buyers. And I just sit home and get checks. Uh, so you do have a choice. You do have a choice. It can be physical, and you, but you can also sell a lot more and have maybe more net profit with digital. Uh, it's but you do have a choice. Go ahead, Devin. You know, what I was going to say, and it may not be uh, all that useful because I think Morgana covered a huge, huge amount of territory. Uh, my sister actually had a quilting store for like 10 years. Um, so I love the quilting. As a matter of fact, there's a quilting pillow that, that my sister made for me that is like two feet from me right now, which I love. And we've got her you know, bedspreads and things like that, which I, you know, again, I totally love. Um, what I was going to say is what when you started talking, what rang in my ear was a, a guy named Chris Gillibu. And, and uh, he's just, he, he considers himself a community builder. He has numerous uh, New York Times bestsellers. Um, and he's a great guy. I happen to know him personally. 
And one of the things that he talked about in terms of building communities is that he said, well, you start out with 100, you know, really what you're searching for is not 100 names on a list. You're searching for 100 true fans, people that have found you and are really into your work. Like if you said, oh, I'm going to have a party over, you know, here, you know, those people, those are the people who would show up to the party right? Even though they don't know you personally, that you've given enough of yourself. And then he would say, well, once I have my hundred true fans, now the goal is a thousand true fans. And if I understood him correctly, that's the point when you relaunch. In other words, when you have a significant more uh, a group of people that are really into your stuff and may not know about your initial launch, right? In other words, you've got your 100 true fans, and now you've added 900 more. That would probably be a great time to to relaunch. And then maybe 10,000 down the road. In other words, as you grow exponentially, you remind these new people that you have this fantastic new thing. And then, of course, there's always the possibility that those 100 uh, original fans, uh, maybe 90 of them bought your your book or, or whatever it is that you might be presenting, uh, now you have these new opportunities uh, to kind of like, well, everybody should have it. So I, I think it's a great idea. I think it's just a matter of when your, uh, your, your contact list grows to a place where you feel confident, like, okay, I can do this thing. Now I'm going to spend six months in uh, really developing this launch. So when I do, as Morgana put it, that you're going to hit them uh, where they're all buying on day one. And this is Devin, and I'm done speaking. That is so good, Devin. Thank you so much. And I, I think what I'm hearing most from you guys is, you know, since I feel as though my fan base has grown that much, I'm ready to do this relaunch, but I need to take my time with it, do it with for six months, plan everything out, try to get some really good engagements. And then also I need to sell it somewhere else other than just on my website. So I think I'm going to try to see if I can get my book on Amazon or something like that. So I'll look into that kind of stuff. But thank you so much. This has been such a great room. I'm excited to listen to everyone else. Thanks, Brandy. Great, great question. Uh, so just real quickly, as a reminder, this is podcasting for authors. We are recording the show. Yes, uh, much to my wife's chagrin, I am a little bit backlogged and adding older episodes onto uh, uh, Writing Daily, but I'll be doing that this week for sure, I promise. Uh, we are also offering a free lifetime subscription to Podcast Magazine located at www.clubpod.club. Uh, this is a private backdoor link for Club Pod members, so I think you should take advantage of it, especially if you're into podcasting. It's also broken down into lists where you can uh, you can see who's out there doing what. So this is probably a really good opportunity if you're a podcaster to kind of get more involved in the podcast community. And so I'd like to turn the mic over to Mark, who has been waiting patiently. Hi, Devin. Hi, Morgana. How are you guys today? Good, thank you. What's going on? Okay, so I am a podcaster by profession, but I'm also working on a book right now. And so my question revolves around timelines because there's kind of a deadline in that my book is about the Olympics. I've been to a number of them, but really the idea is is like I want to have it come out prior to the Olympics that, that will feature the same events that I'll be talking about. And so I was wondering about the timelines for working with like a publishing house versus self-publishing or whatever kind of like feedback so I can set a deadline up to finish writing this book because I'm, I'm partway through, but I just need to give myself a hard deadline. 
Yeah, um, this is Devin. Uh, hard deadlines are actually really important as long as you don't get into a habit of ignoring them when they come, right? Because I think a lot of writers have the, the capacity, and I think this is true of most projects, uh, we have the capacity to make juicy rationalizations of, oh, well, you know, I was supposed to write a thousand words a day, but I'll just write 2,000 words tomorrow. And then when you miss that day, it's like, well, I'll just write 4,000 words the next day. I think uh, consistency will absolutely be your friend. Uh, in terms of working with somebody else, uh, with a publisher, you can expect, uh, you know, really any publisher to have a minimum of a year and much more likely 18 months. So in other words, you would have needed, let's say, a signed contract by, you know, 18 months before you want or hope to have your book launched. Now, if it is, if it's something that you're self-publishing, I would say a minimum of six months, probably more like eight or nine months, where you'd want to be working on your launch for probably, again, six months. So you probably want to have your book, you know, done sooner than later. Uh, you know, for I'm not sure when the next Olympics and uh, the next Olympics are. That's how good I am with these things. Um, but yeah, that was those were the numbers that when I got with my publisher, those were the conversations that we had. Uh, they ultimately, I think it was 14 months for them from the time that we were sort of like, okay, this is a done deal to the point where it's like, okay, you're you're here's your publication date and you're ready to go. It was like 14 months in advance. So it takes, a, it takes a little bit of time. So, you know, I would just say with anything else, and honestly, the time thing, even though you're talking about like, okay, the Olympics are coming up and, you know, however long that they are, um, I think it's really important just to understand that the time is actually your friend. And so the consistency not only helps in your writing, you know, and that's something I do. I try to shoot for right around either a thousand words a day that I've written new or a thousand, more like 1500 words a day that I've edited. I'm actually mostly in the editing stage of my next book now. Um, so that's kind of what I've found is useful. So if I'm not writing or editing, I'm doing something towards, um, you know, website building, launch, that kind of stuff. And this is Devin and I'm done speaking. Uh for self-publishing, um, Devin and I do have some resources, people that, that we recommend, and, and we actually have brought them into the room from time to time. And by the way, we don't even have an affiliate relationship, so it's we're not like sharing people because we make money from it. Um, and and your uh, Vicki Winterton of Ep Expert Insight Publishing is one, Ellen Violetta does not do the publishing herself, but she helps with book launches. Vicki does both. She does the book launches and she does the number one on Amazon campaigns. Um, and there are some others who I, but I do have a lot of experience with Vicki personally. Um, and if you, if you want those contacts, you know, just contact Devin or I uh, directly on Instagram uh, for, for resources like that. We're happy to share them. Uh, and it just so happens uh, that Steve Olsher, who owns Club Pod, which is sponsoring this, this room, is teaching a webinar this week that can be useful to everybody who is using podcasts, especially using Clubhouse to use podcasts because that's it's changing the dynamic. It's changing the picture, and we want to be on the cutting edge. So um, Steve is this week only offering his audio domination masterclass 
the new opportunity to create visibility, leads, and revenue like never before. He is a genius business guy. Uh, Devin got his 50 instant podcast bookings at Steve's New Media Summit back in, I think it was 2018 or 19 or something like that. So um, if, if you want uh, a free ticket to Steve's masterclass, again, just um, hit me up on Instagram and when this whole party is over, I will send it to you, I promise, today so that you can get in on that if you think it might be useful. I think there's also a great PDF download on crushing it with Clubhouse. Um, if you're on Clubhouse, you probably want to know how to crush it. So that uh, because he's our sponsor and we, we really believe in him, um, we're sharing it with you here because it might be useful. So just instant message me and I'll give you the link. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for a word from our sponsors. Mark, have you been served? Yes, thank you very much, Devin and Morgana. I appreciate it. You have an amazing voice for a radio and podcast, but you know that. Thank you, Mark. Anna, how can we help you? Hi, um, thanks for hosting this room. I was so excited to see it today. I'm actually self-publishing a book about, um, I'm calling it an altered spirit, and it's about Scrooge and the 12 Steps. And I would really call it a booklet. And I don't know that making money is my bottom line. I think inspiring people and creating, you know, some trust and relationship with people because I actually am a sugar addiction specialist as my job and I'm launching a big business to help people with sugar addiction. So I'm kind of wondering with that in mind, what is the best way to market my book? Oh, I love this question. So you have a message that is necessary to save lives. Like diabetes genetically runs in my family. So you have a critically important message that saves lives. And that is the place to start. Your book is because you can't personally hold the hand and directly help every human being on earth who, who needs your help. There are a lot of people who are just not in a position or you don't have the time and the energy. There are, you know, seven, eight billion people on the planet. You cannot help everybody who needs to get off sugar. That's why you have a book. It's a good deed. And you want it to pay for itself and you want it to market for you your best clients. Part of having a book is it relieves you of the guilt of all the people that you aren't coaching directly. The people who are not ready or not, you know, it, you, it, it is such a wonderful guilt saver that you have something out there that people can get value from directly. And by the way, the people who love your book are going to be your best clients anyway. So it actually doesn't take away from your business. It just builds it. It's like, oh, somebody already knows she likes my stuff. Great. Really, really good pre-qualification. Make sure that you have embedded in your book in multiple places what their next step is, you know, which always has to do with giving you their email address so you can continue to serve them, continue to build relationship by giving them like free recipes, free advice, just free contact at least, at least once a week. 
and build a relationship so that when somebody makes an appointment to look at working with you, they're already sold. They're already convinced. They're ready to convince you that they should be your client and you will have the easiest client to get the best results and you will be able to charge what you like and they will love you for it. My name is Morgana and I'm done speaking. Uh, this is Devin. I'm going to get uh, much more nuts and bolts. Um, I suggest that you get on as a uh, podcast guest everywhere that you can carrying this particular message. And there's no shortage of uh, food podcasts that you could probably get on. There's probably some medical podcasts that you can get on. You could probably make a list of the different kinds of angles uh, that this would support. In other words, if, if you're talking about sugar addiction, you just make a, quite a list, and maybe that's including 12-step types of podcasts, because I'm pretty sure there's uh, those things as well. So I would make a list of all those types of podcasts that you could be on and quite literally make a list and start reaching out to them. Uh, in terms of uh, yourself, I think you could probably easily do a weekly podcast. And with that, and this is what I did, and this is what was recommended to me, and I think it worked well, is I made a list of every single topic I could conceivably comment on uh, where I could talk about it for, I don't know, somewhere between seven and 10 minutes. And more often than not, even though I was like, oh, this will be over quickly, all of a sudden I found myself talking for 15 or 20 minutes. So I would make a list of all of the t kind of topics, these little angles that would support this idea or questions that people had. Like, uh, you know, maybe it might be, what are the top uh, five reasons to get off of sugar, and then I'd make an episode for each one of the five topics. And then I would kind of branch in that way. And then when I'd have about 30 on that list, I would go ahead and record episode number one. And I would record episode number one as, shall we say, the most compelling. The reason why somebody needs to turn in and check on my podcast every single week. And then I would just keep doing it. I would, you know, I would go through each one of those 30 things. When I had new ideas, I'd write them down. For me, it was really surprisingly easy to get over 100, and, uh, I think it was 125 podcasts of just writing down some ideas. And, you know, the, the joy of it is because, you know, as a writer, I'm passionate about subjects that are writing. So if I'm reading about writing or I'm reading books, I mean, you know, for me, it was always easy to stop and say, ooh, this is what uh, um, uh, Toni Morrison is commenting on this week, or this is the book that I'm reading by her right now. And, you know, I can comment on that. And I think you could probably do the same. I also did interviews with people that were other writers who whose work I admired. And you'd be amazed how many people would be happy to kind of bolster your message through their own experience. Um, and so that's kind of how I would do it. And then, of course, uh, as we were talking about a, a deadline uh, in a previous question, is I would pick a deadline of when you're starting to do this. And realistically, you could probably make the, the two lists that I'm talking about within the next few days and, and just, okay, I'm going to get online somehow and I'm going to put myself on Twitter uh, and maybe you'll launch a website or, or something like that. But uh, if if this is something that you're really inspired by. And if it's not about money at all, I would just get started because the sooner you start bringing that message to people, the sooner uh, they get to start experiencing it and seeing it. So this is Devin and I'm done speaking. And Anna, if your book is an ebook, so it costs you nothing, then it can be free and it can be an ebook. 
Um, or you can, I kind of like giving value to something because I have so many free eBooks on my, on my hard drive, eating up space that I never read because I didn't value them enough because I didn't pay for them. Um, I would also, for the podcast angle, um, when you run out of ideas, I would get a URL that's something like askannathesugarcoach.com and collect questions from your audience because really what, what your people ask you will always be so much more interesting than what we podcasters come up with ourselves. And it's another way, you know, people, they love to own the kind of the, the syllabus of what you're teaching. And by the way, it's another way to get people on your email list. And the reason you have people on your email list is so that you can alert them every time you're doing your podcast and you can give them extras and you can build relationship. And then when you like are launching a new program, their front row tickets, VIP people, the first to know they're special and it's a great way to build your business. I'm Morgana and I'm done speaking. Are you complete, Anna? Well, I love everything you guys are saying, and I already have been on a lot of podcasts, and I'm considered an expert in sugar addiction already. And I actually also helped Dr. Jen Unwin with her book, which is a bestseller in the UK right now, and it's on food and sugar addiction. So, But I also am a drug addict, so I'm just, I love the idea of, of uh, having a low price for it as an ebook. I think that's a great calling card, and I think you're right, Morgana, about it has to have some value. So thank you, you guys, very much. Our pleasure. I think it's a wonderful crossover, 12-step and sugar. Um, get on podcasts. Also get on mainstream media, TV, and radio. And by the way, to everybody here, podcasting is great training for bigger media because it's exactly the same thing. It's the same pitch for podcasts that will – that it's – you know, when you perfect your pitch, you can use it everywhere. And the better you get at being interviewed, the better you are at being interviewed and the bigger audiences you're ready for. So bravo to you, Anna. You're already a rock star. And um, yeah, I hope you'll come back in, in future weeks and let us know how it's going, okay? Thank you, I will. Awesome, thank you. Billy, Billy with the, the puppy, how can we help? Hi, how are you? Yes, I'm, I'm Billy. That's not actually my puppy. That's one of my rescue ones. That's now in a very good home um, from the streets of Mexico all the way up to Canada. I'm in Canada. Hi, hope your day is going well. Thanks for all this info. I, uh, some of the questions I wanted to ask were already answered uh, a little bit. I, I am super impressed by Steve. I've been getting his emails. I am really interested in that masterclass, so it's good to hear your feedback on that. Relaunching, Morgana, yes, I'm currently, your information was really great. I have a self-published book. Um, I don't think my experiences was quite as positive as yours. It is under the Ingram umbrella. It's with Friesen Press and I, I struggle with them. I really, I do. It, it wasn't a superly great experience, but I am relaunching mostly because of just, I just want to change my cover and I just want to, it won an award. So I want to get that on the cover. It's been getting good feedback from industry professionals. 
I've been in my industry for 34 years and I'm just, uh, I've, I've done all very well on a one-on-one -on -one business, but the book and the podcast are to spread awareness on a larger level. So a little bit like Anna, where it, it is a mission to save dogs' lives. So it is that, it is also my full-time profession for 34 years. So it's that combination. So the, the relaunch is interesting because um, it, it, I'm not really changing much on the inside just because of the difficulty with the way freezing press is set up and the way they, they do it. I'm not changing much of the information. I'm just changing hopefully the what I put on the cover and what I put on the back might just attract more attention and change the cover photo, that type of thing. Um, and then obviously I'll advertise that on my podcast. So any further information on a relaunch would be great. What I wanted to catch Devin on before he left was the memoir. Uh, um, the feedback I'm getting from the book and the podcast, the first chapter and the first podcast episode are on me and my learning journey and how I know what I know, which is very unconventional in my industry. That seems to get the most interest and the most, um, you know, people just seem to give the best feedback on that particular episode on the podcast or chapter in the book. And yet I've heard that memoirs can be a tough go. I definitely am going to write another book. I love writing. I absolutely love it. I love writing for the podcast. I love the podcast. Um, I love being on other people's podcasts. That whole, I just love all of that. So I'm struggling as to whether I really have the status behind me to do a memoir. Thank you. I'm Billy and I'm done. Uh, hi, Billy. This is Devin. Um, so yeah, memoirs are a tough road to hoe. And my memoir got published not because I am so hip or cool uh, or famous or any of that. Uh, what I had was uh, an interesting story. And I believed in that story. And I thought that story would be really useful, uh, not only to my 10-year-old self, who I was really writing for, but to other people who had their own dysfunction and family and how you deal with it. And how do you, how do you love and hate somebody at the same time? Now, because uh, to me, that's a lot of what memoir is. It's that I have this personal story that hopefully becomes uh, universal uh, to as many people as possible. Uh, and then as a writer, I have to, what I believe, to give somebody a reason to turn the page every time. Because I've, I've literally, and I love books. I mean, you can ask my wife, books are littered everywhere in the house, and there's like 10 bookcases in the garage that are all filled. Because I just am obsessed with books. I love them. I have read, I've read like on a plane, like nine pages of a book, and I'll just leave it on the plane because I'm disgusted for a whole, <laughs> a whole variety of reasons. So, so you have to be able to not only uh, tell your story, you have to deliver the story in a way that is going to be, uh, well, interesting. And that's going to make somebody want to turn the page. Now, obviously, the more sort of public cachet you have and the more celebrity status you have, the more likely you're going to be able to not worry about the quality of the writing. Uh, if you're like me, then yeah, you have to write a really good book. 
You have to write a good book. Uh, for the record, uh, you know, I, I say this, even though I have some people in publishing whom I absolutely love, uh, I love my publisher is said by nobody. Um, so yeah, there's always going to be that. Um, I would probably, and this is again, based upon the people that I've spoken to, uh, many times over, uh, is that changing, let's say wording on the back of the book or changing, uh, the cover is probably not going to lead to a dramatic amount of sales. Um, now if you have a, like, a new launch idea, in other words, a way to present your book in a way that would be unique, I would probably go with that. Um, but these are just these are just opinions. You know, ultimately, uh, it's your book, it's your story, and it's your message. And so I would say that no matter what you do, uh, that you do the thing that's right for you. And if it completely 180 you know, degrees disagrees with what I'm telling you, go for it. Do the thing that's going to be right for you. Uh, I have spoken to a number of writers who are like, I should have done X, Y, and Z, and they don't get over it. And that's kind of an important thing because, again, this is, you know, my book is an extension of me. And there was, and this is just along the lines of the memoir, is that I've had people, um, or I had my publisher, uh, you know, literally call me up and say, okay, we're done. We've, we've, you know, we've crossed all the, uh, the T's and dotted all the I's, and now the book is leaving. The train is leaving the station. Every word that you say is on you. When you write a memoir, it's you. It's not like I can sort of hide behind fiction, right, because I don't necessarily want to take credit for it. It's This is Devin saying words about Devin and, and people that Devin knows, you could track those people down. I mean, I changed names and did those kinds of things. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, at some point, the train is leaving the station. I talked about very sensitive experiences that I had uh, because at the end of the day, I was really speaking to people who might be dealing with the same sort of sensitive issues that I was. And so I felt I owed it that, to them to be completely honest even if it may have hurt it, hurt my feelings or make me look like an idiot, which if you were to ever read my book, you'd realize I look like an idiot through much of it. Um, but I thought that was the truth, and I thought that was the story that needed to be told. So there's a lot of pieces to the memoir part, and I think the most important one is you can write a memoir and not necessarily be completely frank with your audience or withhold a little bit because you don't want to go there. Um, I would suggest that the best memoirs, uh, the, the memoir that I, I typically recommend is a book by a woman named Mary Carr who wrote a book called Liar's Club. And I think that was sort of the thing that reignited the entire industry of memoir. And she wrote this probably 30 years ago. Uh, and she tells a lot of secrets throughout that book. And she does it. She's a brilliant writer just in terms of of you know, putting words in a, in a way that is just inspiring. And I realize I'm probably rambling on here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if, if you have it in you to write the truth in a powerful way, then I think you should write a memoir. If you have a story to tell that's going to make a difference to other people's lives, then I think you write a memoir. I don't think we have too few memoirs. Um, I think we, you know, I think we need to all tell our story in our unique perspective uh, that will hopefully enrich somebody else's life so they don't have to go through the same nonsense that we did. Uh, so anyway, this is Devin and I'm done speaking. Hi, Billy. This is Morgana. 
Um, what you could do is, because if you are going to relaunch, you want to call it, you know, volume two, let people know that it's new. Uh, if you can hire someone to, and this is the hardest part of book publishing, it was a nightmare for me, is the formatting and the editing, and I'm still finding typos <laughs> all these years later after hiring editor after editor after editor. Uh, but if you can add any new material, any new bonus gift, that will help. But ultimately, if your goal is to get numbers instead of sales money from the book, uh, I would consider publishing it digitally and cheap or free for a day or two and or yeah, cheap, not free, but cheap and having all the money go to animals and make it make it a benefit, make it a promotion and get on every show of people who love animals and tell them that your goal is to raise X amount of money for this specific cause and they will get the book as a bonus on such and such a day. Uh, if, if that is, is your goal to be like the number one book on X, uh, you can do a good cause, raise profile and, and serve your business too. Uh, we also have Ellen on the stage, and Ellen does book launches for a living, so we should definitely hear Ellen. I, I, I kind of tapped you in, and you came in a little bit late, so I'm not sure if you heard enough to be able to respond. Do you need more info? Yeah, I didn't hear enough. Uh, Billy has a book that she wants to relaunch, but she had a really unhappy experience with the with the freeze or, or some version of Ingram. So she is really hesitant to like redo the inside, but wants to have a new outside and relaunch the book. Billy, did I get that correctly? Yes, absolutely. I think what I'm doing is I'm hesitating from promoting the book because I'm not that proud of the, the cover. Um, the inside information I am, I actually do have in there that proceeds from the book go to uh, Dogs in Need. So, but that is a really good angle for the relaunch. I like that. And I have no problem, um, you know, giving my, I, I give so much to the dogs anyway, it really makes no difference at this point. I think it's a really good angle and I think it would, um, but I just, it's more so I think mentally I might uh, just advertise it more and promote it more if the outside says, you know, the, the award that I won and has quotes from uh, influential people on it. And I, I, I think back to Devin's point that, you know, once the train leaves the station and, and Morgana, when you said there's still things that you'd edit and, and um, mistakes on the inside, things like that, that you would not mistakes, but just grammar or whatever spelling. Well, so I think those are really good suggestions, and I think I think it's just more of a mental thing for me to say, hey, I just really want to be be proud of this book, and then I can really go for it. Oh my God, you have to love the cover. You just you do. It took me years to finally get the cover that I liked. 
Um, you have to love the cover. You have to have the awards. You have to have the quotes. And if, if Ingram is like a pain, um, have a digital version and you can have a day or a week where 100% of your share goes directly to the charity just to make it a party, make it an event. You can choose if it's one day or two day or a week just to get the visibility. And then, and then you can bump it to um, a, a more fair price that you want it to be and, and offer the, the physical too. But yeah, definitely change the cover. And, and yep. you're not promoting the book, you're promoting the cause. That's a big piece too. Go ahead, Ellen. Yeah, I want to, I work with a lot of authors who come to me when, after they're not happy with their covers, I should say, so that you're definitely not alone in that one. And I mean, it's not like a mental thing. It's a real thing. It's like what Morgana was saying. I mean, you have to love your cover. You have to be proud of the work. But I will say, um, I one time had the opportunity to interview Jason Oman, and he had written conversations with millionaires, co-written it. And they were in the fifth printing, and he said he was still finding typos, and they had made $250,000. So I wouldn't let a, some typos stop you, but by the same token, I will say that we have a complete publishing package. We do all of that for our authors. And one of the things that just drives me crazy is how many people come to me and the editing is just terrible. But um, I am a former editor of, a, of magazines, so um, I'm really a stickler about this. So That's great, Ellen. I will follow yeah. up and, and check you out. Um, yeah, the editing isn't so much it. It's just I totally agree on the cover. And I... And as Devin knows, I'm thinking, well, I guess everyone does because they're listening. I'm going to do a second book. Mm -hmm. uh, so I will definitely contact you for, for that as well. Yeah, Ellen. and go, go to bookshopeanddoors.com. You'll see if you scroll down, we have a whole bunch of different covers. They're all in completely different areas, you know, done based on what that author wanted and, and what their topics were. So, I mean, there's just, it's just totally custom. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. And Devin, I wanted to thank you before I, before I leave. I wanted to thank you for all the information as well. I, what I'm hearing on the memoir is it's not just about what I've done, but how what I've done can resonate and help other people. And that's, that almost gets to the TED Talk thing as well. They're very big on that from what I understand, which is, which is great. It's not just about an idea or about a story. It's about, about the combination and what it brings to people. So that's an interesting way to view a memoir. And I just wanted to thank you for that uh, information. I'm Billy and I'm done. My, my pleasure. I, I'm yeah, sure, go ahead, Ellen. Yeah, I wanted to add one other thing about that, which is, and I've said this before on, the, on this podcast, which, I mean, on this clubhouse, which is that when people, um, uh, do it as a memoir and they just put it in memoir, it just gets lost because you're not famous. And so when you're sharing it to help other people and then you can share what those, in some way, what those lessons were, you know, if it's about abuse, it should go with abuse. If it's about adoption, it should go with adoption. I mean, whatever the, uh, the topic is, not just memoir, because you're then going to get um, 
much more visibility. I'm Ellen, and I'm done talking. Uh, yes, I, I could you reset the room? Yes, that's what I was just about to do. Uh, so just to clarify, this is uh, a podcasting for authors. We are recording. So that means if you're going to be speaking, you will be recorded. And uh, eventually, uh, this will be on write an episode of writing daily. Um, and uh, we are a part of Club Pod, which is the largest podcast-specific club on Clubhouse. We offer a safe, non-judgmental environment where podcast fans can get together and talk about how to do it and how to do it better and how to do it more and how to monetize and and uh, how do we develop our own podcast culture. Uh, and so all of that. And so that's what we're doing here today. And, uh, and by the way, please make sure that you follow the folks up on stage and reach out to them through Instagram or Twitter. And let's develop our own community uh, that's specific for podcasting authors. Anyway, uh, the oh, I, go I ahead. I also wanted to insert that Steve Olsher, who owns Club Pod, uh, is teaching a live webinar this week only called Audio Domination Masterclass, The New Opportunity to Create Visibility, Leads, and Revenue Like Never Before. Uh, you can also get a free PDF download of his Crushing It with Clubhouse live training and uh, his Ultimate Directory of Podcasters. So this is happening only this week. Uh, reach out to me through Instagram directly, and I will give you links to ha get free access to all of this before it disappears. But his um, uh, Audio Domination Masterclass is live tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And there are also the downloads. You don't want to miss any of it because it's all about how to use Clubhouse to promote and monetize your podcast, which you can use to promote and monetize your books. And I am done speaking. And with that said, I believe that uh, Samuel has waited. Uh, amazing. Thanks for waiting so long and your patience, Samuel. And what's on your mind today? Yeah, hey, guys. Um, thanks for having me up. Yeah, I'm going to make my, my um, question quick because I know Devin has limited time. Um, I started a podcast during the pandemic, and I put it on hold because of um, I had some death in the family, and, and, and I pivoted to... Um, my number one passion, which is which is writing and screenwriting. My question is, I, I think this room is about leveraging podcasts to maybe relaunch a book or to um, sell a book. Could you just speak really quickly on how you can leverage, um, leverage your podcasts or podcast appearances when it comes to screenplays? I know it's a different medium, and I have some ideas about that, but I'd be curious to see what, um, what the panel thinks about that. Um, I am Samuel, and I'm done speaking. Hey, Samuel, this is Devin. Uh, you know, to be quite honest with you, I would think you would leverage uh, a podcast appearance or your own podcast in the same way you would to sort of help promote anything that you're writing. And I, I you know, in terms of screenplays, um, I, we had a guy on this clubhouse uh, a number of weeks back, Jack Merrill, who that's what he was doing. He was writing plays and he would put a page or two of his play on his podcast. And that's what he would do week after week. Um, and that, you know, in other words, he was sort of writing, he was doing the writing while doing the podcast simultaneously. And so uh, 
if I were to understand him correctly, and I, and I don't want to put words in his mouth in case I'm wrong, but if I understood this correctly, what he was doing is sort of the podcast itself was a deadline for his own screenwriting that would happen week after week. And so he would be writing these stories, and then they would need to be done, uh, or at least to the extent that he was happy with them, uh, to be presented on his weekly podcast. And how do you leverage that? Well, I, I think what happens is, is that when you start doing a podcast consistently, over time, you'll start developing a fan base, um, you know, obviously depending on the, uh, the general thing. In other words, if you're specifically uh, doing a podcast about screenwriting as a whole, that's one thing. Uh, which means you will attract other screenwriters or people who are novices but are looking to write their own screenplay. Um, or uh, if you are somebody who is specifically, I just want to promote my screenplay and that's it. Uh, I think you can do that, but I also think, as I was talking about uh, talking to Billy in the previous call or in the in the previous question, is that at some point, regardless of how you're doing it, I think you have to give the listener a reason to turn the page and to stay with you. So all that means is whatever it is that you are presenting, it has to be viable, interesting, inspiring, um, something that is a how-to. I mean, it can be any one of these things, but it, I think it has to provide some sort of a weight and depth to the listener so they keep getting uh, interested by what you're doing, right? Um, and I think you can take that sort of, I, I think it has a lot to do with just sort of the mindset of what it means to be uh, somebody who is marketing your work and putting yourself out there sort of like on a very regular, consistent basis. And by the way, I, I would say that consistency is really important component here because I think most people uh, will... Uh, you know, like let's say you don't do a, a podcast really well. Uh, I think a lot of people who, are, if they're interested in the subject matter, are going to give you chances. They're going to they're going to give you the opportunity to like, okay, he's going to get better, and you will. Um, and I think you just keep doing it. But if you're going to do it inconsistently, like what I did was, I did every day at one p.m. and that was the rule. I did it every day at one p.m. and when I couldn't do it anymore, then I just kind of stopped doing it for a while. Uh, what I think is the best way to go is to just kind of keep, uh, you know, pick a time. Uh, again, I mentioned Chris earlier in, in the clubhouse today, but Chris Gillibu was a, was a great guy who was literally like, no matter what happened, Tuesdays and Thursdays at two o'clock, I did, I do and did this podcast, period. That's what he did. And he developed a huge following and listening to how he uh, got better at promoting himself over time is really kind of remarkable. Uh, so anyway, that's my two cents on the subject. I hope that helps, Samuel. And uh, Ellen, and, Morgana? Well, we have had in this room, last week we had Aaron Mank, uh, Manke, or however he's pronounced. And he, we, and we've also had Shane Salk. So both of them are screenwriters and they do podcasts that are fictional audio plays. And Aaron's podcast, Lore, is now a series on Netflix and a series of books. And Shane's, uh, dang, I can't remember the name of his. His is 
like the sci-fi fantasy world and he's got all these famous actors playing roles in his podcast and bo uh, both of them have hundreds of millions of downloads like crazy hundreds of millions of downloads they are it's they are making tons of bank from writing screenplays and having them acted out on their podcasts so you know we talk a lot about podcasts being interview based but it's you know the the ones that have that are drama based really suck people in and there's huge opportunity there samuel if you're writing screenplays yay you get some actors actors love to act actors are great at acting and have them acted out for your podcast and build a following that way that's my two cents my name is morgana and i'm done speaking uh, I wanted to say that I listened to Steve Ulsher on that uh, webinar yesterday, and he was talking about how you can now get payments on your on your clubhouse, and how people were just giving people tips and making like two three hundred dollars uh, just from a ten minute appearance. And I was first of all wondering if Morgana or Devin, if you could talk to how you do that or where you go to find that out. And also, if you have any thoughts about that. I'm Ellen and I'm done speaking. Because uh, might, that might be good for Samuel too. Oh, yeah, well, to, to uh, what you can do is you can do your shows on Clubhouse with the live audience and record it like we do. We, use, um, we have a machine called Roadcaster that allows us sound effects, intro and outro music, and then we can upload it to um, Devin's podcast uh yeah you can actually give me tips i haven't paid much attention to it i just uh you know saw that it was available what you need to do is delete your club pod app and then download the newest version of your club pod app and when the club pod gods decide you will have um on your profile page where the little settings wheel is, it will say something about payments. And when you see that, uh, then you can just set up uh, payments using a free Stripe account and your bank account. Easy peasy. Um, I honestly have no opinion about that at all. Um, I, I, it just, it isn't really, I am, I set it up to take payments because why wouldn't I? Um, but I haven't really given much thought to it as like not central to my business model. My business model is coaching and that, that's in the, you know, that starts in the tens of thousands. So that's just um, for me, low hanging fruit. And uh, oh, by the way, my niche is relationship with money. If anybody wants like my free do-it-yourself six-step process, people have made hundreds of thousands of dollars just doing the process themselves. And that just makes me happy. Um, I will send you a free recording. You don't need to buy anything. You don't need to opt in. Um, I just believe that the the more people who feel empowered economically, the better it is for the planet. And the people who have good results make my best clients. And so much from <laughs> my pitch. I usually forget to even tell this room what I do because it's not really the focus. Although it is what my book is about. Financial Alchemy, 12 Months of Magic and Manifestation is just, it's a self-study book.
uh, so that people, I don't have to coach everybody. One of my favorite clients, Pam, had her first quarter of a million dollar month in sales before I ever knew who she was. And that's, that's why we self-help people need to have books so that we don't burn ourselves out with our like compulsive need to save the world. And okay, now I'm really done speaking. <laughs> that is so true. Our compulsive need to save the world. I love it. <laughs> I have a, another question for Devin though. Um, I know Morgana saw the um, post that I did the other day about my journey. And somebody said to me that I should write a memoir and my immediate reaction was, hell no. And part of it is like, I realized that I've kind of blocked out some of it. And I was curious, like, how long it took you and kind of what the process is. And did you feel like there were things you forgot or needed to retrieve or just, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm Ellen. I'm done speaking. Uh, hey, Ellen. And by the way, I'm not sure if we were done with Samuel. So if Samuel is, you know, re-raise your hand if, if, if there was still a piece that we didn't get to you on. And, and thanks for your great questions. But going back to Ellen, uh, you know, yeah, memoirs, tough stuff. I, the, you know, I went back to school, not because I needed a degree in creative writing, but I kind of just wanted it. I, you know, uh, that's all I can tell you. And it wasn't actually useful, but that's a, a completely a separate thing. The first time I presented a story about my father and I, I wrote it as fiction and I turned it into a professor as fiction um, because it was weird and scary and uncomfortable for me to say, this is me and I'm the little boy in this story. So that's what you're going to be confronted with. Uh, if you're writing a story that's about you, uh, it's going to be uncomfortable. I mean, I think at this stage, day and age, most topics have been covered elsewhere a million times to some degree. Uh, I th but the problem is sitting down to write those things that are weird and uncomfortable and strange and, and put yourself out there is, it's all of that. It's emotionally taxing. Um, I did the best that I could and there would be weeks where I felt really strong and other days I'm like, you know what, I just wanna have ice cream cones. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to have ice cream cones to congratulate myself and that I've gotten this far with it. Uh, memoir can be really tough, and it is exposing. Um, and, you know, the first two drafts, which were the longest, that was the longest process of the entire writing. And those took like, geez, I think it probably took about four years to get that real first draft done. Like, I have a book from beginning to end. It was terrible, but it was from beginning to end. Those first two drafts were absolutely me saying uh, to some people that I was writing about, you're a jerk and I hate your face and how dare you, right? So I didn't mince those words. And then I realized in reading my own work, I don't think that you can do that and have any sort of, do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's really important to take responsibility. And this is just the way I'm looking at it. Cause I've, I've read other people's works where it's just like, here's some finger pointing. It's everybody else's fault, but my own. And so I had to realize I had to get that stuff out of me in order to realize that I had to take responsibility for my own behavior within the memoir. And that was probably at least the, the, the toughest place to get to that I, even though like some of the things that happened was when I was a kid, but others were when I was a, an adult. Um, and I had to start taking responsibility for that. And once I started doing that, uh, the funny thing was, and this is the pun, 
is that it started becoming more funny when I started taking responsibility uh, and when I started becoming more uh, uh, self-effacing and, you know, started cutting some people some slack because they deserve to be cut slack. And I know I'm getting in a whole philosophical uh, tangent here, uh, but overall it took me, I think, about seven years to get the book in a place where I liked it, but I also have known people who have written memoirs in a year and a half. So it really just depends on how you write, how quickly you write, uh, how honest you are with yourself in a particular circumstance. Um, you know, in terms of the memory component of it, uh, that was a concern. That was a concern. And, and so I did. I wrote sort of, uh, you know, a, a basic piece that, uh, you know, I attempted to, to do my very best to get every fact in the book uh, uh you know, like completely truthful. Like I wrote about uh, one of my aunts, and any time I think of my aunt, I see her wearing a red sweater and blue stretch slacks. I know for a fact that's not all she wore, but that's how I picture her in my head. So when I wrote about her, I wrote about the picture that I have in my mind of her and mentioned her wearing red sweater and blue stretch slacks. So do I know that to be truthful? Well, it's probably not entirely truthful because I don't know on that specific day if that's what she was wearing. Uh, but that's my best recollection of who she was. So anyway, that's my two cents. I hope that's helpful, Ellen, and I am done speaking. I have a question for you, Ellen, because what you went through was so horrible and so recent. Um, is it emotionally safe for you to write, can you write about it without like going into a tailspin? Um, probably. I mean, the whole thing is, is what I realized after I did it and, the, and all the feedback that I got from other people was that all it takes is an illness to send your life into a living hell. <laughs> I mean, that's really the bottom line. Does that make sense? Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of evergreen topical. Like right, exactly. Maybe a little bit more this year, but yeah, um, it's it's something I think everybody in the country fears and can relate to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was the only reason that I even thought hmm, maybe you know, as, even though my first reaction was no, maybe there is something to that in the sense that it's not uh, kind of what Billy was saying. It's not so much about me to tell my story, but for me to tell the story that it can happen to anybody, and and people think that you can't that you can't be sick and be successful, or you can't have terrible things happen to you, and yet my success still went. You know, I, I never stopped working. I never stopped helping people. I never stopped having number one bestsellers for people or myself. But behind the scenes, it, there was this whole other thing going on. Well, there's a lot of value to the behind the scenes because right. everybody is comparing their insides to your outside. Right, right. And I would just, it's better now that you're coming out of it because you want to leave people with with hope. Oh, yeah, you can't tell the story when you're in it. You, right. You can't. Then it's just revenge trauma porn. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I think I think it's a really powerful message. And you know how to sell it. And by the way, for, for memoir, uh, you know, at some point, the starting point is a story. 
right? And I'm not talking about the sweeping, overriding theme of, of the piece or the, the character arc over 40 years of life. I'm talking about we're standing in the kitchen. And write, write that initial story, the piece that's going to be a linchpin to the rest of, of your memoir, which is ultimately what I did and what was suggested that I do. Um, they suggested it after I had already started. But I think you start with like, okay, we're in the kitchen, we're in the living room where this bad news shows up or this thing happened uh, and write that story. And it doesn't have to be the, the most emotionally challenging story, the story that's just okay, this is the one that's floating around in my brain and I can get it out on paper. And it's going to lead to the real horror, right? Or it's going to lead, or maybe it's on the other side of it where I'm like, I'm starting to get better. And maybe that's the piece. Because I think, I think one of the mistakes a lot of uh, potential memoirists make is that they, they want it just to be sort of a woe is me. I want you to just sort of applaud my misery or commiserate with me. And I don't think that's useful because really I think what a lot of people do when they're reading memoir is they're looking for a way out. They're looking for a silver lining and they can't see it mired in their own stuff. And so I think part of what memoir is is that there is a light and there is a hope and there is a way. And that doesn't mean we have to all write a cookie cut cutter type of story, but I think it does mean that we, we want to embrace that a, a lot of readers are not necessarily looking for just a downer, because otherwise they could just read, you know, the horror of Stephen King and be done with it. Anyway, but that's my two cents. Yeah, no, I think they are, you know, people want to know that there's hope. So, Ellen, are you served? Yes, thank you. Great. Patty, thank you for your superhuman patience. How can we serve you? Hi, guys. Um, my name is Patty, and I have a book that hopefully will be ready for Kickstarter in June. And at this time, I just I don't plan to do a podcast or anything like that. But my question is more about um, maybe finding how do you, how do people go about finding what podcast may fit with kind of maybe what their book's about or what they personally are um, producing on their social media and best ways to approach podcasts um, people as well. My, my book is about uh, a goat that has ADHD and I have ADHD myself. Um, if that helps to kind of point me in the right direction or if there's it's a, a general idea that works as well. Thank you. Um, before Devin jumps in, this week only, uh, Steve Olsher, who owns Club Pod, which is hosting and sponsoring this room, he has his directory of top podcasts by category uh, that he normally sells for hundreds of dollars, and you can get it for free this week. Uh, the Ultimate Directory of Podcasters is what it's called. Uh, Direct message me on Instagram today, and I will get you a link for that. Um, Devin will go more deeply into this, but you know, you podcasts for neurodivergence, podcasts for ADHD. You know, I'm just looking at the some of the stuff that is on on your profile. Um, you know, Google keywords and podcast, and that's a place to get started and you want to listen to the shows so that, I mean, I, I get the most annoying emails 
from people from usually not the person themselves. It's the person that they hired reaches out to me to pitch somebody totally inappropriate for my show. And it's just annoying. So it's, much, it's far better if you are reaching out to them directly and you know what's so great about their show and why you want to be on it. And the most important thing is what value you will bring to their audience and them. And the, they're, they're looking for three things. You will be entertaining, you will be informative, and you will bring audience. So make sure they know that you will promote your episode all over the place with any, any audience that you have, that, that you'll be a great guest, that uh, people will enjoy listening enough to stay listening, and that they will, and that they will leave with value. My name is Morgana, and I'm done speaking. Thank uh, you so much. That's, that's awesome info. Uh, Patty, this is Devin speaking. Uh, you know, really what I would suggest you do is, is exactly what Morgana said. You, do, you can do a Google search, but you can also, uh, the podcasting, uh, where is it? Right here. Where it is, www.clubpod.club has lists of different podcasting groups. But a Google search will accomplish the same thing for the most part. Uh, do a Google search for ADHD, you know, and podcast. Um, but before I would even do that, I would make a list of all the things that you feel confident that you can discuss, right? In other words, uh, different angles and different types of shows that maybe it's about medical community or maybe it's uh, through, uh, I, I don't know what the terms are, so I'm going to make it up, uh, uh, behavioral disorder or disability or something like that. And I would start looking at sort of more general shows too, because there will be some shows that focus specifically on ADHD uh, and others will be coping with ADHD and others will be, you know, they'll, they'll come from slightly different angles. And so what I would do is I would sit down with a pen and write down every conceivable angle that you can think of. And you might even want to use like a, a thesaurus to find slightly different terms and language that somebody else might use in case they're not using a word like ADHD. And I would keep doing that. And then when I would reach out to be a guest, I would put my best foot forward. And that would include listening to a podcast for at least 15 or 20 minutes so I can get a style of what the interviewer's doing, uh, where you could talk about what they do with some measure of intelligence so you have an idea. Because if you just, because I get people like Morgana as well, if somebody just writes me and says, I want to be on your podcast, I'm a writer. That's actually not enough. That's like a, that's like a complete turnoff uh, for me as somebody to have a guest. Like I, I, I absolutely want somebody to be entertaining. I want uh, somebody to have the capacity to kind of promote themselves to some degree. Um, and I want to have confidence that they can fill the time. And that's kind of a really important one as well. Because sometimes if you're just going to show up and give me yes or no questions or, or yes or no answers, that is not the goal. The goal is, is that we have a conversation that's going to be able to last our 30, anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours. I was recently on a podcast where we spoke for two hours, which was great. That's what it's supposed to be about, that we have a long conversation, and then they went back and edited it, and I think it was down to probably about 58 minutes or something like that. But that means that they got to choose the best stuff that I had to offer that would be useful to their audience. 
And so that would be the other piece that I would think about is that what are you going to be able to provide to a listener that will help enrich their lives? I mean, as you might imagine, if you if you come to this particular podcast, or pardon me, this clubhouse, we tend to talk about how do we serve the audience? Because the more I can serve somebody else's audience, the more likely they're going to say, hey, Devin, we want you back again. And the more that happens, the better. Because then now all of a sudden you start becoming a, a reoccurring, reliable guest. And that's sort of the big picture thing that you're also going to want is somebody where I can keep going back to the same people with a slightly different angle. Or when they say, hey, I've, now I've written this book, uh, can I be on your show to talk about it? They're much more likely to say yes. I hope that makes sense. And this is Devin and I'm done talking. Also, if you have a surprising, intriguing, inspirational hook, something they don't expect, that will take you miles. Like if you could talk about how neurodiverse children are going to save the world, think of all the podcast doors that could open because there's so, there's, there, there's so much untapped talent and, and so much possibility in in this diversity and it's a part of life so if you can like i i just <laughs> i just can't that that title just dropped into my consciousness and i was like oh my god that's a show that i would love to listen to instead of doom and gloom you know bring something that that really sparks curiosity and and interest and you honestly i have no doubt that you could make a case for, for that and any other interesting twist that isn't the way people usually look at neurodiversity. Is that helpful, Patty? Yeah, I love that very much, especially the neurodiverse children save the world. I love that aspect too, because I do a lot of accommodations on my Instagram for different neurodiversities. So all about being independent and advocating for themselves and all that stuff too. And that just makes, that just makes people better people you know, <laughs> learning to care. Um, I, yeah, you, you are totally invited to steal that title because I think that it could get you on a lot of podcasts about children, parenting, um, inclusion, diversity, neurodiversity. Uh, you know, take a look at neurodiverse people who are, you know, cutting edge CEOs and world changers. And there's just so much really good stuff that you could bring that people want. And then they'll start telling their friends and then you get more and more invitations. My name is Morgana and I've done speaking. Are you served? Oh, Ellen, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to add, I was gonna say something that's slightly different from what you said, Morgana, but it kind of piggybacks on what you're talking about, having a different way uh, or, you know, a different topic or way of approaching it. But I know, uh, and this also goes to what Devin was saying too, like when people approach me for my podcast with, you know, I, I'm going to, I want to talk about writing. It's like, I don't need another person to talk to me about writing. I talk about writing, you know, but aside from that, it's like when you can figure out what makes you different in general, like you know that you have something or you do something a, a way that's different from everybody else. It's your you know, secret sauce, then you bring that to every show. And then, and I mean, well, you can bring it depending on, goes back to what Morgana was saying, you know, if it's the right approach or whatever. But when you have that, it's so much easier if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I have this way of 
talking about this that I can look at that and I go, oh, well, that's different than the way I talk about it. Cool. Then, I, then I'm interested and then I might want to have them on. So uh, that makes a big difference for me. I'm Ellen and I'm done speaking. Patty. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Deb. No, I was just going to say, did you, was, has this been help, helpful for you? Yeah, very much. I appreciate it um, a lot. This is Patty and I'm done. Thank you so much, Patty. And last but certainly not least, the glorious Chelly Campbell is on the stage. How can we help Chelly? I just wanted to give you some flowers. I just think you guys are so terrific. You know what you're talking about. So everybody in the audience who's listening, I've known Devin for a few years. I've known Morgana for over 20 years. I've known Ellen for years and years. And they're the real deal. They know what they're talking about. Their advice is great. And just what just happened there with Patty, where you intuitively, Morgana, came up with a perfect title that is going to be so different from, oh, the poor thing, and we have this disease, and or we have this problem, and this is how we have to work on it. Instead, no that you can say these people can save the world. Now that's golden. That's what is the beauty of these rooms where people are talking. That's where these kinds of ideas come up. So bless you for all of that. And the one um, contribution I wanted to make is that I am a published author of three books and I went through the whole nine yards, got an agent, you know, hunted for publishers, got a publisher. And uh, my publisher is Sourcebooks, and they published my last three books. And now I am looking at all of that and going, but the publishing industry has changed so much. And the publishers are still reacting like it hasn't changed. They still give you a small pittance of a percentage and in contractually. And uh, it's just not enough money because they, they expect you to do all the marketing. I mean, back in the day where if you had to do a self-published book, it was you printed it yourself, you put copies in the back of your car and you sold it on the street corner, you know. Um, and it's not like that. The tools and means of production are in everybody's hands. So the point that we need to do as authors is build an audience right where we are. We have social media. We have Facebook. We have LinkedIn. We have Instagram. We have all of these places where we can build our audience. And then we can do all of the things you were talking about earlier, follow the prescription, get have the parties, have the book launch, have the free gift and all of that and sell more copies or just as many as you would with a publisher and make twice as much money, probably five times as much money. So I'm actually thinking about my next books doing the self-published route rather than going with a publisher. So it's just, you know, you got to look at all the angles, but basically publishers want you to do the marketing and sales. And if you're famous, it's a different thing. Like if you have a platform, like a television show, like I was watching all of the political uh, people on the news programs 
Uh, and they would all visit each other and promote their books and they become bestsellers. Well, if you don't have a position on a news program or your own show, then you're not as valuable to the big publishers because they're looking to sell widgets. They think of a book as a widget, you know, it's like a coffee mug and they just wanna sell multiple coffee mugs and that's how they make their money. So if you're looking for somebody who really believes in you, you'll get the editor, but not necessarily the whole publishing arm. So that's my contribution for today. And thank you for doing this room every Sunday. I just love it. And I'm happy to show up and give you guys flowers and say you're fabulous. And everybody should be following you all the time. That's another thing, you guys. When you're in an audience and you see somebody good, go go follow them. I even heard from somebody in the audience and she started following me, so I followed her back. So you see? That's how we support each other and we create these teams of our own that are so fabulous. And that's our audience that's gonna buy our book, right? Thank you, this is Chelly and I'm finished speaking. Oh, thank you, Chelly. So much love right back at you. You're just always like such a burst of love and positive energy. So thank you and everybody should be following Chelly. Um, Ellen, do you have any final words of advice? Well, no, I'd like launching? to say, I like yeah. to say, Chelly knows I am a huge evangelist for her. Um, I love her book, The Wealthy Spirit. I've had it for years and I suggest everybody go get it. It's the best. Oh, thank you, darling. You get a golden <laughs> ticket to my The Wealthy Spirit group on Facebook where I do a video from the, from the book every day. Anybody listening can have a gold ticket. Just DM me on Instagram. They can also hear her on my podcast. We did a, a podcast on the book's Business Abundance podcast. And we're going to, and Devin, I need to have you guys on too. But thank you so much for doing this room. I love being here. I try to get here every week and I'm happy to serve in every way, any way that I can. And I appreciate you guys. Uh Thank you for coming and bringing your wealth of experience and also coming up asking questions. I just assumed that you were just going to moderate and share. So it was actually even added value that you had your own questions because when you ask a question, that's for everybody. Uh, let's see. Uh, Devin and Devin and I have our podcast every Wednesday. It's live broadcast as a radio show, Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. Uh, Devin's next book is about love. So we've been building our audience in anticipation of, of his book launch, and we currently have 25,000 downloads a month. Uh, the, the reason I bring that up is I used to have a podcast that was interview-based and very related to my business, and I burnt out. It wasn't fun. So I did something that was fun. When I feel stupid or not on my game, I can just be quiet and Devin will have something witty and wise to say. And I just find him fascinating. Uh, one of the things that you just need to do when you have a podcast, if you're going to have your own podcast, is make sure that it's something you enjoy so you can sustain it. And you don't have to have your own podcast. You can do great just being on other people's podcasts. However, having your own podcast, especially if you do interviews, 
can help you get on podcasts that you want to get on because you can offer reciprocity because everybody loves to talk about themselves and if you give people an opportunity to talk about themselves they will probably say yes and you'll be surprised who you can get and I think that will be my closing gem for the day my name is Morgan and I'm done speaking uh, this is Devin I don't know if I have a closing gem uh, what I will say this since we've been talking a lot about podcasting uh, is that keep writing. If you are finding this difficult, good. It is difficult. Writing well and completing a story and completing a project, especially if it's a full-length book, uh, is challenging. But there's also incredible short-form short writing. So if you are having trouble writing your memoir or writing that fiction book that you've been planning to or that how-to book or whatever it might be, and you're having difficulty with it, uh, I suggest writing a, a short article about it. Um, whether it be your memoir or fiction piece or how-to, uh, any of those things, uh, getting, getting a single article done. By the way, I got started uh, through In the No Traveler as a magazine uh, writer. And so getting, getting an article done and seeing it in print and getting it published is a task within itself, and it really is an inspiring part. So if you have started writing your book and it's, it's, a, real, it's a specific challenge because you're finding difficulty with the time or what have you, I would suggest that you start off smaller and get sort of get a magazine article. Take your book and write it as if it was a magazine article and then go sell, sell it to a magazine or a website or something like that and see it in print. And by the way, seeing it in print is a real powerful bit of inspiration. So if you are a new writer and you see something, you know, if you see your name in a byline, it sort of gives you sort of like an emotional credibility to keep going. Like, ooh, that means somebody else saw my work, thought it was good enough and published it. And uh, that might be a great starting point. I'm not entirely sure why I kind of went in this direction with it, but I did. And uh, so anyway, this is Devin, and I'm done speaking. Are we, are we starting to close down, Morgana? We are starting to close down. I think we want to give another shout out to the audio domination webinar that is happening tomorrow. Um, I'm looking for the description, but it's basically Steve Ulsher, who runs Club Pod, is a brilliant businessman and he crushes it with podcasting. Uh, so there are a couple of resources available to you. One is the live event that he's doing tomorrow on how to uh, audio domination, the new opportunity to generate massive visibility, virtually endless leads and serious revenue at no cost. And that's happening uh, tomorrow or at at least it's happening this week. I will give you the, the link uh, to get a free ticket to it. Also, uh, I think we can still get it. If I'm wrong, I apologize to the moon, but I think you can still get the 2021 Ultimate Directory of Podcasters. I think that uh, with my link, you can still get it for free. He normally charges hundreds of dollars but I think right now with my link, you can get that for free too. So you can go shopping for high profile podcasts that are categorized by uh, topics so you can hone in and research the ones that are right for you. So we wanna give a shout out to that. Be sure to join Club Pod with the little 
green house of, but just, yeah, con follow me and contact me directly on Instagram for the links for the webinar and for the directory of podcasters. And I promise I will get them to you today if you reach out to me today. Thank you. My name is Morgan and I'm done speaking. Devin, would you like to close the room? Uh, close the room. I'm not even sure how to do that. So, but that said, uh, I hope you guys have had a great experience today. If you do have questions in the future, feel free to come back here. Uh, we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, come up and ask questions. We're easygoing. If for whatever reason you're shy, which that does happen sometimes for some people, uh, feel free to reach us, at, you know, follow us on Clubhouse. You can also see in our bios how to get in touch with us on Twitter and or Instagram. Reach us out to us that way. And truthfully, that's how we build communities. That's how we get to know each other. And, you know, you'd be kind of amazed. I've had people, you know, help promote my book. Uh, basically, you know, people that I didn't know really well through Twitter and through Instagram and through Facebook. So, uh, always feel free to reach out to us. We're always happy to have you here. Uh, and so th I want to thank you to everyone for joining us here today in Club Pod. Before we close the room, please make sure that you tap the greenhouse at the top to confirm your membership of Club Pod and be sure to follow each of the moderators and speakers by tapping their profile picture and then tapping follow. Also, please tap the bell so you are alerted each time we open a room. We have awesome high-level events coming up throughout the year and we'd love for you to be part of those discussions. Lastly, please make sure you grab your free lifetime subscription to Podcast Magazine by using the private backdoor link uh, clubpod.club. If you have not yet so done so, uh, it's our way of saying thank you for hanging out with us here in the club. And that's it for now. We'll see you again soon in Club Pod. Thanks, guys.